Hey guys, welcome to the Unashamed Podcast with Phil Robertson, of course, myself, uh, Al, the beardless brother, uh, and Jace, the ugly bearded brother, uh, are all here today to talk about uh, our podcast. And you know, it's uh, really interesting today because in our episode, uh, we're going to talk about Jace's first ever funeral, sort of how that impacted him, but also uh, the life of a person that we really cared about well lived. So, uh, Buckle up. It's going to be fun. You're going to love it. I am unashamed. What about you? All right. Before we get into today's episode, uh, we want to tell you about Dad's show uh, that's over on Blaze TV, uh, In the Woods with Phil. Uh, we're now in our second year, I think, Dad, for the show. And... Um, I don't know. It was, it was kind of funny when we first started talking about it. Um, it was like, what's this going to be like? Because really the only experience we have for a show is to do Duck Dynasty. And of course we did the show prior. But I, what what would you say about what's your experience of doing the show? What, what, what How would you describe it to folks? Well, that it's hard to, hard to actually call it a show. But basically it's just an inside look. 330, 40 million people in the United States of America, I'm one of them. And it's a look at a lifestyle intermingled with a family structure, me being the patriarch of this particular clan, four sons, you, Jace, Willie, and uh, Jep, your children, their children. And it's just a look at a family structure who live in America, who are Americans, uh, who love God and love each other. So it's a it's a lifestyle. You see us doing everything from making jelly to duck hunting to, you know, putting out nets and, you know, watching back floods come and go, how we react. It's just a so what's it's, your... it's a two pronged thing. It's a lifestyle plus a spiritual worldview coming yeah. out of one family what, in America. Right. You, how, you do, not... how do you prep for this show? Do you spend hours of preparation? I get up and drink a cup of coffee, and I sit down. <laughs> I say, y'all running? The cameramen are looking. You know, I say, y'all ready? Yeah. They said, what do you got on your mind? I said, I don't know. But, okay. Well, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> so it is but very – Some people call it flying by the seat no, of your pants. In the business, we call this organic. It's a very organic show. It's a, it's a video blog format, so it's basically 8 to 12 minutes of just feel unplugged. Uh, and uh, our crew, by the way, is the best fed crew in America because when you're cooking lunch or mom's cooking something and part of the show, they get to eat with us. Um, the other day is a perfect example of what our show's like if you've never seen it. Uh, Dad is showing how to make etouffee. And, you know, he's kind of giving you the, this is what you put in, this is the way you cook it, and you know, our guys are really good about showing and making it. Then all of a sudden he just turns to camera and he goes into about a, I'd say about a seven-minute rant a kind of a Mark Levin type rant, I would call it about Mueller. You know, it was right when the Mueller thing was happening. And then he just looks back. I mean, he gets, he gets the rant out and then he comes back and he's like, well, all right. So we get this etouffee. looks like it's about ready here. looks like it's perfect. We got the rice. And when are we going to eat? And you know, let's pray. And which sums up my childhood. That's it. That's exactly right. So this show, uh, you need to check it out. They've got a special promo going on right now that you can sign up. So you go to blaze TV um, and you, and you sign up and it's got a, there's a code unashamed. So just think about our podcast unashamed. 
uh, you put that code in seven bucks a month. That's what it costs to get the show. Um, and we're releasing probably about three shows a week. So it's a lot of content, uh, seven bucks. I mean, what was a can of Copenhagen cost these days? Four or five dollars. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, not yeah. even for two cans of Copenhagen. I mean, the point of it is if you're, if you happen to be, I, the reason I mentioned America, 300 and something million, if you're in a, in a metropolitan area, New York city, uh, Los Angeles, you know, whatever, San Francisco, and you're you you've got your little life there and your job and you work down. It would just be hard. Sometimes it's difficult for someone to see outside that. You say, well, what you know? What about a family structure in North Louisiana down yep. on the river? So we're just giving them a glimpse. I mean, we're Americans. Well, what are we going to do? We do what we do. We're hunters, fishermen. We have a biblical worldview. You don't have to just embrace it and say, well, you know. We're just giving you a glimpse of how some people yeah. roll. Right. Which well, and yeah, I met a woman yesterday at church. She's from Florida. She retired there, moved there. For, she's from New York. She goes down, goes to Florida, you know, older lady. She was at our church yesterday and was like, oh, I just, uh, you know, I watch In the Woods. Sure. It's wonderful. I'm listening to your podcast. So I decided to come visit. You know, I watch you guys online every Sunday. She's watching our church, you know. So to her... You know, she's not has nothing in common with us in terms of how we live every day, you know, hunting and all this stuff. She's a woman from New York by way of Florida yep. that watches it and listens to us and says, you know, I like that. Uh, I, I like the your biblical approach. And she was giving me this whole spiel yesterday. And I was like, well, man, that's that's great. You know, maybe we yep. need to put you on the Internet. Well, and do a I learned that uh, last year at the Tebow event, you know, I'd taken I'd given a duck hunt away. And uh, but. The people who came, they were not familiar with weapons, so it was a little awkward. I was thinking there was a good chance I could not make it through the duck hunt alive. So I got to thinking, I was like, why not let's do a frog hunt? And so, of course, Tebow, me and Tebow, the only thing we have in common is Jesus, but that's enough. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's a little different. Yeah, and I and so he's like, I was like, what could, but it went for so much money in the Tebow Foundation, they do incredible things of all the charities i'm involved with i got that one way up at the top it's, it's good it's awesome so, so a, I, a group of individuals paid to have a frog hunt with you yeah. and the money went to a good cause well right but it's a live auction and i thought well it's just a frog hunt i mean it's something i've done all my life it's a way of life that i mean it's so simple i thought you know we might get ten thousand dollars which is would be awesome they start bidding for this thing you know they have the 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 auctioneer was uh, the guy from Scott Sports Van Pelt. Yeah, yeah, Scott Van Pelt. So he's and I could tell just call it a hunch. He was not familiar with you know the ways of frog hunting. <laughs> he's looking at me like, well, you know, who's can I get you know a hundred dollars? Check his papers. Yeah, how <laughs> so, this guy get in here? <laughs> yeah. So look, this thing starts and these people start start bidding, and look, it goes up to a hundred thousand dollars and it seemed like it wasn't going to stop and somebody finally stood up and said well since there's three people bidding how about you do three frog hunts for a hundred thousand piece hundred thousand piece to go to the tebow foundation and i was thinking it's just we're catching frogs i mean <laughs> so look i start so that we do it and it was great you know it was the talk of the the foundation but when I took those people out there, I realized what the draw was. 
because they all did the same thing. They screamed the entire time. And these weren't like, you know, kids. I mean, it was fam. One of them was a family. It was like the most amazing thing to be in a swamp, you know, to see alligators. Cause I make them all get up there and you catch a frog, you know, they're like, well, how do I do this? I'm like, get on the front of the boat, lay down. I'll shine a light. And you, so some of them, it'll, it'll take a few. But what's funny is uh, we had this older lady the first time, and I was like, are you sure? You, you know, I wasn't sure she was physically able to pull this off. She's like, no, I'm going for it. So she goes up there. Well, I realized there was a gator, a, a small gator, right in front of the frog. And she's like fixing to pounce the alligator. I'm like, whoa, no, no, that's a gator. <laughs> she backs off. Everybody's screaming, you know. She's eyes roll back in the back of her head. I, I thought this, this is what this is what the this is what's interesting about this. So I think that's your draw with your show. It's the experience. You're right. Yeah. And, uh, you you see that with several things that are auctioned off at that event because these are yeah. people that have money and have corporations but they love Tebow and they love what he's doing just like we do so they're like let's go for the hunt. perfect yeah, they get the people with money there they try to get them to find something interesting it's hard to auction something to people with a lot of money because you know they have so much money they can do anything but they hadn't been look, frog hunting in a swamp but here's the kicker so <clears throat> if any of the three of us went frog hunting what's the best part of going frog hunting eating the frogs eating the frogs right these folks had no desire for that well one group i had they said can we turn the frogs back and i'm like catch and release that seems really (laughs) really dumb to do i mean this is like the equivalent of you taking a fillet you know and saying can we put that back? Yeah. But can we feed that to Bobo? <laughs> yeah, it just. But one of them, they there was a couple of them that were vegetarians, which is fine. It's you know more for me. But I was like, sure. I mean, we'll we'll release the frogs unharmed, you know. But I just they, thought that was interesting yeah. to show you the idea of somebody doing some of his experience versus our experience of doing it for all the years we've done. Some guy called. Well, he didn't call because I don't take calls, but. But someone from Duck Commander, the main office, called and said, they said, Phil, there's a individual who wants to just come eat supper with you, bring his family. And I said, well, I, said, I don't know. I said, you know, we got a lot going on down in here, and first one thing, another, you know. Which said, means I'd rather not, because you really not. don't have a whole lot going he said, on. Well, he, really he, said, he said he had paid pay to come down there. I said, really? And she said, yeah, you want to know what he said he'd pay for the supper? Just one supper, you have a meal, and then they and they leave. They fly in, he has his own plane. He said he'd give you $30,000. Really? For See, that seems weird to me right there. Well, I thought for about maybe two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I said, 30000 I asked him when he, when he walked in the door, I said, what line of work are you in? He said hedge funds. Oh, yeah. Oh, there boy. you go. There well, he go. had 30000 oh. This is almost like Robin Hood. But what I'm, my, my point is, <laughs> it's not for everybody, you know. I mean, we're Bible people. We, we eat well. We eat a lot of things that we get out of the woods and fruit and, and animals and stuff. And, you know, a lot of people would say, ah, you know, they're bad mouthers. But we're, 
I'm not bad mouthing my fellow Americans who do not live that way. That's right. This is just one way to roll. It's a glimpse. I well, guess, you know, it's interesting to people. It yeah. is. And look, across the breadth of Blaze TV, and by the way, we're talking about Dad's show, In the Woods with Phil. Uh, you can go sign up for it now. You do the code unashamed, and it's a, a cheaper, you, know, you get for seven bucks a month. But the network has a lot of different you know, voices on there and a lot of different people, great people. I mean, but they all have their different approach. You know, Levin's got the way he does it. Beck does it his way. Bongino does it his way. I think and people people will get that just by looking at the profile pictures on the Probably. site. The dad's a little bit different. Yeah. He stands out. So uh, anyway, check it out. We'd love for you to, to cross over and check out the show. The guys at Blaze would love that as well. Go ahead and sign up. While I'm giving a commercial, I'll go ahead and talk about dad's book. Um, the Theft of America's Soul still doing great. If you hadn't checked that out, be sure to order your copy of that. Lisa and I have a brand new book uh, that's releasing this week. Uh, we're excited about that. It's called Desperate Forgiveness. So you might want to check that out as well. So th- this last week was really interesting because a, a dear friend of our family uh, used to work for us uh, mm-hmm. at one time. Uh, Kathy Hilburn's her name. Uh, she passed away. And so we were... We, I was at the beach. We were still there, and and I saw that Jace was going to be doing the funeral, and Which somebody shocking, yeah, somebody said on social media or Facebook or something that this would be the first funeral Jace had ever done, and I was like, well, that can't be right, you know. I mean, Jace is, you know, That's he's right. like me. He's classically trained, you know, and I know he's done some weddings, um, and so I thought, well, that can't be right. That's just somebody's got that wrong. So I sent Jace a text, and I was like, "Hey, I heard you were doing Kathy's funeral," and he said, "Yeah." And so he said, "I said," and he said, "This is my first one. I've never done one before." And so I just found that very intriguing. And then, of course, Dad and I were both at the funeral. But I want to talk a little bit about that today. I, I mean, I've done—I don't know how hundreds, probably, yeah. or at least been at hundreds of funeral. Well, I—I I mean, but it was really amazing. I, I mean, it's worth us talking about today because I, I just—I've never been so inspired at a person's funeral. I mean, I've seen some that were very uplifting, but this was amazing. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I'm know. Jay, tell us a little bit about, about it. about that. Just, it was one of the roughest weeks I've spent uh, just just the, hearing the whole story and you say, how did this happen? But like you, you know, you've been a paid pastor, I guess, for years, right. and I think that comes with it, but I, I, I never have done that. But I've dealt with a lot of people, and people have asked me to do their funeral before, and I've always declined which was really awkward because it offended the family or whatever. But I'm like, look, everybody in my mind, I was like, everybody's got to know what their deal is, what their talent. This is not mine. I kind of justified it, which I'm not saying this was correct. (laughs) Uh, Maybe rational. (laughs) would be a better word from that verse in Luke nine. When uh, you remember when, the people are coming up to Jesus, and then and they said, "I'll let you look it up." It's Luke nine fifty seven through uh, sixty two, and they're like, "I'll follow you wherever you go." And Jesus, the first person, he said, "Look, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head." Which his point was saying, "You want to follow me wherever I go? Yeah, you know, there may be some sleepless nights. You may not have a place to go." But that next one is the one I zeroed in. This was my justification on why I'm not doing funerals, rightfully or wrongfully so. Uh, But one said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go proclaim the will of God. So in my mind, I always thought, 
because most people see my exterior like you feel and and they don't realize that i'm i'm tender-hearted there's a there's a place in there that's tender-hearted and uh feel same way it just took a lot more years to find that bring that out yeah, yeah i appreciate that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and willie too you know and so uh I just thought I don't want to get up there and get blubbery, you know. I mean, right. I think it's it's time. That that was kind of my thinking. I, I'm gonna share with you while you're alive. Once you're dead, you know what? Not much I can do about it. I, I'm gonna. So that was kind of my justification. But what happened on the backstory here? This girl, I met her in a pizza place about, I think it was 29 years ago. Yeah, 30 years yeah. And uh, her and her husband, they had just been married, but I knew her husband from school. Well, I went to school with him. He was rough around the edges is a nice, a nice way. You say in high school. In high school, yeah. And so I saw him. And, you know, I was fired up for Jesus. I mean, I've been fired up since I was 14. But I got vocal about it at 16 or 17. I saw him in a pizza place. He said they were just married. And I was like, well, man, I got to show you something. I want to show you something that will you know keep your marriage together and he was like what do you mean and i was trying to intrigue him and he he actually said is it a magic trick i said well it's magical but i intrigued him enough <laughs> by the way when you ask someone from balkanville is where toby is from yeah. that you've got something you want to show them they instantly think magic trick that's what he just, said just so you know I said, it's magical so look so i i get their numbers you know i meet with them i share jesus with him it did not go well she never said a word and he was like i don't want anything to do with that <laughs> but i didn't give up i you know a few weeks go by call him again wound up studying with him again well then that was about the time that uh the first person i brought to the lord was my best friend from school and he came to the lord well he knew this guy so i'm like look, I've been studying with this guy. Will you go over with me? I said, I think it'll help, you know, because I just wasn't giving, there was something, I, I just saw something there. So we go over, study with him. Well, about 2 o'clock that morning, I remember he's kind of sat up in his chair, and the girl, Kathy, has never said a word other than, hey, how are you doing? But he, he sat up in his chair, and he's like, I need to find some water. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I want you to baptize me. You know, I really wasn't talking about baptism. We This was many studies. I'd shared Jesus with them. I'm sure I had kind of talked about what baptism does, where you reenact Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. But he just said, and I mean, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I was like, well, I was thinking the church building, is it locked? And he's like, well, I mean, Shinny Lake's right. It ain't a couple miles down there. I was like, Shinny Lake it is. <laughs> well, Kathy was not in the room, but she was like, in the next room but there was no wall it was like the kitchen the living room and she said well i'm ready too well when she said that you know i kind of thought are you sure or are you just swept up in this your, your husband's fixed to respond when i said are you sure she gave a five minute dissertation that just it it, it moved me and it was basically along the lines of, I need this love, that kind of love in my life. And she said, also, there's a lot of people I need to forgive. And I was thinking when you mentioned your book about forgiveness, I thought, 
she hadn't even responded. She hadn't even surrendered to Jesus yet. And she's already made the connection. Jesus's forgiveness is going to allow me to forgive. I mean, this is incredible. So all of a sudden, I was like, I'm glad this guy's responding. But, you know, this, this I'm really impressed with the heart of this woman right here. So anyway, we shinny late, 2 o'clock in the morning, and they started a venture. Now, their marriage got bumpy. Uh, the 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 fellow that she is married to, you know, y'all remember all that story off and on, which led to them finally, you know, getting separated. But she, she stayed the course following Jesus the entire time. Eventually, we, we, you know, hired her down here to help her once they were apart. But she never left the faith. And as years went by, her faith deepened. She, one of the letters that I read in the funeral said that when she came to Jesus, she went from being a follower, you know, making bad decisions, to a leader. And then when she became a mother, she became a warrior. And and that, yeah, that's we, we, we saw that. So to tell you the whole story, she's then diagnosed with cancer. At the same time, she had decided she wanted to go to school and uh, become a nurse. And so about the time she gets diagnosed with cancer, she graduates nursing school. And so then she starts working these 12 and 16 hour shifts and people are like, you have cancer. I mean, she do chemo and she's like, I worked so hard to accomplish this. I'm going to be a nurse. And, uh, to make a long story short, I I woke up one night thinking about her. I told Missy, I was like, we need to go talk to her. Well, about the same time we get a text saying she wanted to talk to us. We go out there. She's cancer's back. You know, she's literally days within dying. And so I thought, what am I going to say? She couldn't even move. We, Missy and I climbed up into her bed and said, you know, what can we do? And she had this all mapped out. She said, first of all, I'm 100% at peace with what's fixing to happen. And I told the story. I've never seen a person so anxiety-free or fear-free. There was zero fear, none. And knowing she's days away from Well, yeah. She's like, well, this is, she said, I've been hanging on so I could talk to you because I have a plan. And I was like, you do? I was like, what's your plan? She said, well, my plan is I realized that I need to use my death to motivate the people that will be there at that funeral and my family to surrender to Jesus. She said, cause I want people to know why my life is so awesome. Well, when she said that, I thought if you look at it from a worldly viewpoint, I mean, she's living in a trailer has very little money. Uh, cause she hadn't been it, able to work as a nurse. Well, she right, said cancer. You know, now she had a new husband who's awesome, yeah. you know, who she brought to the Lord and, been a rock the whole time through that situation jackie and uh i thought i mean the more i listened to her the more i got inspired and she said i just think this is spiritual warfare and uh jesus has blessed me so much that i'm sure this is why i'm being attacked so i want to use it kind of like jesus did to uh inspire others and uh because she's she was she used a phrase that i will use from now on she said because basically you're just going to bury me alive and I, I, I just kind of paused on that. I thought, she's not worried about this at all. <laughs> and she said, all my kids are in a good place with Jesus. So I would like for you, I know you don't do funerals, she said, but I would like for you to do this funeral to help others see Jesus. Will you do it? Well, <laughs> I said, yes, I will do your funeral. 
And that's what we did. That's why it was a different kind of funeral, because basically I followed the plan. And I wasn't blubbery, but there was about five times during the funeral where my mouth was open and I literally could not speak because it was such a powerful story. I knew this. She she's such a inspiration. This is going to be difficult to get out. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, <clears throat> being there, I mean, I thought Jay's did a masterful job of doing what she asked to do, and it was powerful on the people that were there. But and it was celebratory, and yet at the same time, you know, when a person is that loved by everybody there, you know, there was a lot of weeping and grieving, and me as well. But here's what struck me: so after Jay's does his thing and which is really powerful this the her son gets up her son's probably yeah. 27 Seven, I think years old. Yeah. he's got two or three children and then the daughter's there she's got three children i think kathy had five grandkids and then she had a, a 14 year old a teenage daughter by her second husband so yeah you know this is her family that's there so blake's getting up to speak and i hadn't been around blake in a while and I knew he was doing well because Kathy had told me that because I'd asked her. And, I'm, and Brookie, I see a lot more. So I didn't really know what to expect, you know. And I, I'd already heard Jay say, you know, that he had like 11 pages. And I thought, oh, boy. I'm, again, thinking from a funeral perspective, this, this could get bad, thinking he's going to try to. Yeah. But he didn't. He just went through it. And and here's what I thought that was interesting. So in his 11 pages of honoring his mom and talking about his life, what kept coming up was his memories as a child about, of course, when she separated from Toby and they're on their own, they don't have anything. This Our church walked alongside her and basically just carried her through that stretch. And then he specifically mentioned you and mom. And not that, that Kathy just had a job working for us, but that he had spent summers out here as a young you know boy and then a young man with you, you know, with the property, whatever, just the, we talked about your show in the woods and I was saying, how many, how many people through the years of this one was a powerful story. She's 47 years old. She knew who she was. She's leaving this legacy of faith and here's her son up telling I'll be here and I'll meet her in heaven no matter what. And I just thought, man, that was so powerful. But then it was like, then she mentioned you guys and I thought, how many people have, has our family and then even our church family, have we walked alongside, whether it was talking to a wayward son, a wayward daughter? I mean, yep. just how many times does that happen, you know, through the years? A lot. I mean, it's powerful. You well, know? the backstory on that, so we met with her, and then, because she said, she said, no, when you leave, I'm done, I'm tired. And so, you know, and, and the next day she died, which was really strange, because I told Missy she was articulate, she was... You know, physically, she couldn't really move a whole lot, but her her mind was amazing. And I thought, well, this is not going to be quick, but it was. And, of course, her body just was riddled with cancer. I mean, she beat it once, then it came back. But so after she dies, the next night after that, we met with the family, with the three kids. Two of them are married, you know, uh, and, and their husbands, wives. And, and a few other family members, and then her current husband, uh, Jackie, who was, yeah, I didn't realize how funny this guy is, because I was like, how did you pull this off? And he said, well, we were watching Sanford and Son. I was like, Sanford and Son? He said, yeah. He said, after commercial, he said, I got out on one knee and said, will you marry me? 
And she said, yeah. And I said, then what happened? He was like, well, we went back to watching Sanford. So. <laughs> <laughs> was, of course, we laughed, but it kind of broke the tension, you know. And uh, he just felt good about it because he saw her. But that night, Blake, who spoke after me, he he sat there and didn't say anything for probably the first 45 minutes. And uh, then he just kind of told his story. He's like, you know, I looked at my mom and my dad, uh, and they kind of went two different directions. And uh, he said, I tried it. I kind of went my dad's direction. And uh, for for most of his adult life now, you know, he said, but my mom, he's like, it's just I, I couldn't. It was hard to get around the perseverance and how positive she was. I mean, everything in her life is going bad, but she never complains. She always says this is, you know, God's plan. Even he went through about her becoming a nurse and all the, you know, her fellow workers saying she never complains. She's there. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And he said, you know, even though I have put my faith in Jesus, he said, through this process, I've decided to go public with it. And so I was like, I kind of asked the question, when did you go public? And he said, right now. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I, I'm going. <laughs> so that's when I said, well, you need you need to tell them that. I said, just say that. I said, I, I think your mom would want you to do that. Mm. I was like, I know it would be tough. I'll stand up there with you. And I said, just that one statement, because he made the statement that he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that his mom was with Jesus. And he's like, I'm going to see my mom again. And and the way to do that is through Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, I said, just make that one statement. He said, I believe I will. Well, then the next day was the day of the funeral. And so I said, well, are you ready? You got your statement ready? And he said, well, actually, I wrote it down, and it turned out to be 11 pages. And then I thought, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I was like, I better start you know, whacking but some me, of my material. Let me mention something about what he said in there. And this is a great thing for folks that are watching and listening. When he made that discussion or that, that statement, I'm going to go public, meaning that I'm going to let people know who I am. This is why I follow Christ. He also, in that process, extended forgiveness and healing because when he and Brooke, when Kathy remarried Jack, when she married Jackie, they were teenagers. Now, anybody that's listening in and watching knows that when you when you marry a second time or third time and you have teenage children, you know you talk about blended family. It gets difficult. They're not going to like the person. That's you're right. Marrying. Teenagers, are, any children, but teenagers are hard enough as it is. But so they had a major issue with Kathy's new husband because there's that clash. You know, he's trying to be their stepdad, but you know it's, it just doesn't wear well. And so the statement Blake made in his uh, talk at the funeral was that they hated his guts, which I thought was powerful because he's just come on out there with it until yeah. he said, but then something happened that was amazing. I mean, I was just, it, it, I just cried watching it. He said, but I watched you never leave my mom. You were her rock. You stood it out. I mean, she got sick. You never left her side. He said, when I saw how much you love my mom, it changed my view of you. And so I think that was right along the line of his understanding what Christ had done for him. But it was back to what you said with Kathy in the original statement. When you understand how much Christ loves us and what he's done for us, it then changes your whole capacity to love other people and to extend forgiveness. 
And I tell you, I've done a lot of funerals myself. I've had a lot of people up make statements and talk and family and memories. I've never seen such a transparent extending of grace and forgiveness like I did at the funeral. Oh, it it was amazing. And even the first, look, even the first husband who was there, I thought responded, you know, in, in in a really positive way. I mean, obviously he was upset and all, but just hearing everybody that shared and I read a lot of comments from her friends and her fellow workers and you, you got the same picture, but the picture that I'm presenting is through her life and her perseverance in Jesus. I mean, we're, we're talking about surrender and, and her maturity as she went on that despite all these vicious attacks that I, I deem was from, you know, the spiritual forces of evil. I mean, because she just she got it down and and she accepted that and looked at it as something positive. Well, through through that her life and suffering and eventual death, she basically brought everybody together, everybody, including her past, her past husband, her current husband, her kid. She brought everybody together because she didn't have any kind of maliciousness. There was no. Uh, you know, when she, she made the comment about her first husband, she's like, oh, I forgave him, you know, years ago and, and moved on, which is so hard to do. For You know, she said it like it was nothing. But, you know, when you do that, you're then free. No matter what happened, she's like, oh, I, you know, I, I put that on the cross years ago. Right. And, uh, you know, I've always had a good relationship with her. I've checked up on her, but I haven't you know hung out with her in the last few years because she's obviously been busy and a lot going on but whenever we have these little private moments conversations at church or whatever i'd ask her i was like now how's your husband treating you and she'd always be like like a queen and and i finally trusted her i'm like this, this is just a, a spiritual warrior <laughs> you know every time i ask her she's like oh i feel great which i realized was kind of a white lie i mean she has cancer she's dying yeah but she just viewed her life as just complete awesomeness because of the relationships in her family, all the repaired relationships, all the relationships at church. And then her eternity wasn't a doubt in her mind. Right. So what I read, uh, cause I know, you know, we discussed scripture here. I don't know if that's ever been read at a funeral, but my, my text that I used was, <laughs> was Ephesians chapter six. I mean, I sensed, some intensity in there i guess but i mean it was kind of a fog i don't know what y'all's perspective of me because i was like i want to do her right this she had a great plan it's not about me i had to mumble that to myself a couple times during my speech because i thought i got to get this out right but i read ephesians 6 where it says uh, in verse 12 for our struggles not against flesh and blood but against the rulers authorities powers of this dark world against spiritual forces of evil and so then when i got to the armor he says put on the full armor of god well all these qualities the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel the shield of faith uh you know arm yourselves with the word of god which is the sword of the spirit all these qualities her body was riddled i mean it's riddled with cancer but you could see all those qualities in her life of having that armor on. And so that's why I referenced the buried alive. I mean, she is a warrior. Yeah. 
She had figured out the text that the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble. She had a lot. Hardship. She had that. Persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced, and he starts with what Kathy just experienced, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. She she, 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 got figured, it. she had figured it out. It was moving <clears throat> and inspiring to see somebody knowing they're fixed to die and have zero concern about that. Well, and you know, <clears throat> we, like you said on our podcast, we talk a lot about the Bible. And to a lot of people, it just seems like a mysterious, historical, too big to be fit in my daily life book. But the reason we want to talk about this today is this was a life lived that was completely changed as a teenage girl who just got married. And then the process of a 30-year period where when she, in our opinion, was way too young, but you know God does things in his own timetable, uh, when she left here, we looked and saw a legacy of faith, children who said, I'll see my mom again because I'm going to raise my kids the same way I was raised. And we knew how tough it was because we were a part of that process. Yeah. So really it's just a microcosm of what we're talking about. If you think and about possible. it, and the audience is listening, so well, why tell that story? And you know we're listening. So the audience is sitting there, whoever is out there in computer land. You say, <laughs> why'd y'all bring that up? Because it's going to happen to every last one of That's you. Right. That's right. Every is. one of you are it's going real. to take your path is going to finally end where that girl's path ended. That's right. At least on this first go around. Because of the resurrection of the dead. That's right. Jesus conquered death by his own death who you know keep them from being slavery to their fear of death that's the big fear everybody's trying to stay alive what? but everybody out there in computer land just remember <laughs> your day is coming so is mine well we'll you, be you, ready. you can go there and say oh, gee, who are they, who are they talking? And, but we're looking at it like you're going to need this big deal well even in our culture i mean i guess i saw things way more clear because i was just so involved in this and the family and it was just a you know after it was over i felt just in a fog for two days but something that that was really weird you know i didn't know because they kept calling me the preacher because I'm, I'm i don't view myself as the preacher because they were like the preacher usually stands here you know by the casket as the people are leaving out and you shake their hands which i never noticed that so <laughs> okay. i noted i noted when i when you walked up to the podium at a funeral i've been asked to do three funerals and and i did all three of them one for an avowed atheist who i just converted six weeks before he died Got in but at the no, last second. No one knew that. That's right. But he requested that I do his funeral yeah. because of his turning from atheism. 
and trusting in and God. And he was one of your old drinking buddies. Old drinking yeah. buddies. So it was him, the town drunk, that same town, the town drunk, the old green, that old yep. guy. Yep. Remember him? Yep, yep. Well, when, when, when the town drunk, and everybody knows that's what he was famous for, uh, asked his family, asked me to do his funeral. Well, just think about it. You're going to walk up there and, and give him a few words about this individual. My, my words were, uh, I'm glad I'm not God, and who is the ultimate judge, one lawgiver and judge who could save and destroy. I'm not here to be God. God will judge each one of us. I know this, we're all sinners, that's for sure. So was this man. And the third one was a guy, young man, uh, who died young. He was one of my ex-students that I had helped kind of mentor and say, look, I'll get you out of these clashes, but don't be running your mouth and <laughs> hollering and carrying on. If I tell you to sit down and shut up, sit down and shut up, and you'll get out of these clashes that I'm teaching you. So I'm yeah. so shocked you didn't make it as a teacher now. That's just hey, that mindset. I told him, I said, look, what do you want to do with your life? And it, one day, and he said, actually, I want to be a welder. I said, you get out there and you tell that industrial arts guy out there that you want to learn how to weld learn how to be a good welder well that's what he did yeah. uh, but he died early from so, something i've already forgotten what it was but so what was your observation you said uh, as you saw jace come up to the podium well, i said well, i'm not I was, a preacher yeah when he said you know he's not a preacher i was thinking like he had to like he had to say that <laughs> yeah you're saying that was obvious from well you know, i had to have my shades he had his shades on well, and his hat you know too, what because i told miss yeah well my hat i, is can, my, say I can say i've never done a funeral on a hat well, i can just I say that i couldn't say anything <laughs> negative about when he walked up there but it was just yeah, it was crazy. just not funeral like what's happening <laughs> i reel back the years nicely. i reel back the years when i was up there and probably <laughs> i said well when i told him i said listen i don't even own a suit i think these you know, yeah, guys, that's, that's what's all, weird about this is you're kind of critiquing my look, looking like you do right why, now. That's why I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> he critiqued it, but he, but he did so from looking at his own yeah. perspective. So I was worried about Jace because I sent Jace a text. Well, Jace told me, he's like, do I just like show up and speak like an event? You know, he's like, I'm not sure how this goes. Oh, said, yeah. Look, let me work. Let me call somebody and make sure they, because there's like a whole, you know, traditional well, funeral. Yeah, stuff. It, it, I had to do. I would and know I that did you it. didn't. I did all the traditional stuff, and like I said, I met with the family during the week. I don't know. I think people do that. But they do. Our meeting was really meaningful and powerful because I know them all. So I, everyone will so, know. You say, well, how could y'all be this uh, sort of frivolous about one of your sisters in Christ? passing on the other side her body has fallen asleep her soul and spirit she's alive apart from her body she's gone on to be with the lord in the other dimension she's there her body is asleep in the dust of the earth at the return of jesus she receives her her body and her soul and spirit are reunited with a new body. With a new body. She'll yeah. be glorified. That's right. So y'all say, well, you know, what in the world is all that about? If people are watching, yeah, it's Jesus thing. Well, march on in there. When when you finally, your body falls asleep without any hope, we're just saying the story is there's life beyond the grave. And, and if you believe in Jesus, even if you die, yet shall you live. And That's whoever right. believes in him will never die. 
it's pretty comforting. And Kathy, she had it down. Yeah, yeah. I read the she John. She figured it out. I yeah. read John eleven in the funeral, which was the Lazarus story. That because I thought you know she was young. She had a fourteen year old girl, which no matter how you spend this, it's going to be tough on that girl. You know, you you remember being fourteen, you lose your mama who's just an awesome human being. I mean, that, yep. that's just going to be tough. Yep. That was the time I had the roughest, but I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I talked to her because the last word out of her mouth when she died was her 14-year-old daughter's name because she was more worried about her because she's sure. like, she's young, you know. Mm-hmm. So I read that uh, the story of Lazarus, and because, you know, they said, Jesus come, you know, Lazarus is sick, but he, he waited a couple of days. Of course, he knew the big picture of what was going to happen. And uh, by the time he gets there, of course, he's dead. And the sisters, Mary and Martha, they were mad, mm-hmm. which, you know, you make the point of we, we it is upsetting, you know, when someone dies young who's a warrior and you kind of blame God, kind of like they were doing. Course, he didn't, and he, he didn't rebuke him for no, that at all. No, he understood. I, look, it does. This stinks. You know, it's terrible. But you got. That's why I went at it from the angle. She believed she was being attacked from the spiritual forces of evil because she had sold out for Jesus. And after a while, she just said, "I'm going to use this just like Jesus did to inspire others to put their faith and trust in God." Once she made that that decision, I mean, her life just it soared where she became so influential. I mean, that's why you saw so many people there at that funeral. I mean, she, she had, her life had touched so many people. Right. But then I read at the graveside, which I thought was interesting because I saw this, you know, I said I, I went through the motion, so I understand what you did. But even driving out there, the, the uh, graveyard was a pretty good distance away. I mean, it was probably 40 minutes. And you know the tradition that we have in our in our country. I, I don't know if it's just the South or they do this. Different may, may, different places, different. I mean, you know, the cop comes out front. Well, I was first in line because they're like, "Well, the preacher is right behind." You're the leading cop. them and, out, and I'm That's like, right. "I'm looking around for the preacher," and they're like, "Oh, oh, well, I'm the preacher this week." Okay, so well, it's kind of weird because he'll stop at a red light, get out, and I'm like, "Do I go?" And she's like, "Missy was with me, you know, of course," and she was like. No, you wait for you follow. You know you don't go because I'm like I know where it's at. But then when we got on the interstate, you know we're driving like 40 miles an hour, and an 18 wheeler got in the on, on in the other lane and slowed down because a lot of times I've seen them just passing you by. He held that line for the entire 20 miles or yeah. whatever it was, and I thought, boy, I bet all these people are. Mad. Did you notice some of the people that were? And it shows you in, in the South, especially, but in our area, they were pulling over and getting out of their cars. Oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of them had their hand over their heart. Just, I mean, they don't know who this person was, but it was just a general respect that yeah, someone's it, life had, you know. It reminded me of a guy I shared Jesus with, and uh, just in a random, kind of like her. And uh, I saw him years later, and I was like, what'd you ever decide, you know, decide on Jesus? He said, well. I didn't think much about it. He said, but every time I saw a funeral from that day forward, I thought about that. Hmm. I said, well, you need to move on it. He said, oh, I did. He said, there was finally just. That's good advice for the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Always. So I like that. But I said all that to say when I got to the the graveside, I read that, what you just said, 1 Thessalonians 4, where it said, brothers, we don't want you to grieve 
or, or to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. And that's the deal. You know, it was a little bit controversial because she said she didn't want everybody wearing black. She's like, this is, a, I, I want, I want a, some celebration. What she said is she says, I mean, it's fun for me to graduate to my eternal life. Th- mm-hmm. This is fun for me. Of course, I'm sitting here looking at this woman dying of cancer saying that. I'm like, I'm not saying that on your behalf. I was like, I'll do the best I can. The word fun is not coming out of my mouth. But she said, I don't want everybody to dress, you know, dark. She wanted bright and, colors. And well, and it was, you know. Yeah, it was. It some was people said that. What was what, it got? It looked like an Easter Sunday. And I was like, that's what she wanted. And uh, so, but we're we're not grieving like the rest of men have no hope. Look, I'm 100%, 100% sure that she is in heaven, that she will get her body back and live again. To the point of, I went from trying to encourage her that day to being encouraged. I left out of there thinking, okay, I need to, I need to work on my faith a little bit and get to that point. Because if somebody told me, okay, you got two weeks to live, it would probably be a little struggle <laughs> grasping that. She didn't, she didn't have a problem. And so he, he, he goes on to say, we believe that Jesus died, was buried, and raised, and he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. That was my point I'm making yeah. a while ago. I was just giving the scriptures. And he's bringing her to earth. The body comes up. And then the famous verse in First Thessalonians 4, after that we are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. It is a wild story. So today's episode, uh, we honor our sister, uh, Kathy Hilburn. Uh, rest in peace. We'll see her again. Uh, it's a great challenge for all of us to live in such a way. These two have identified as non-preachers. I am a preacher. Uh, and I used to tell our church all the time when I preach full time, live in such a way that it makes it easy for me to do your funeral because I do a lot of funerals. And uh, certainly Kathy was, was that person, even though Jason had never done one before. It was fantastic. It was an honor. Having said that, it was an honor to do our funeral. So next time we get uh, back together on the uh, Unashamed podcast, we're going to kick back into Genesis 4. We've seen a beautiful picture of what happens when a life is is turned and when it changes from sin because that's where we've been talking about uh, don't forget uh, blaze tv uh, check out in the woods with phil right now you can use the unashamed code and get a, a much cheaper deal so check that out uh, dad's book uh, theft of america soul our book mine and lisa desperate forgiveness uh, we love you guys and uh, we're glad that uh, you tuned in